Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Estate Red Zone, brought to you by the Texas Real Estate Research Center at Texas A&M University. I'm Haley Reeder, Communications Specialist. Today is Wednesday, July 21st, 2021. On this day in 1821, the flag of Spain was lowered for the last time in San Antonio, ending three centuries of Spanish involvement in Texas. The successful Mexican War of Independence resulted in a treaty that brought Texas under the newly independent nation. Texas declared independence from Mexico in 1836 before becoming a U.S. state in 1845. Now on to today's podcast. The second quarter of 2021 looked very different than second quarter 2020. COVID-19 vaccines became readily available, restaurants and bars reopened, in-person shopping resumed, and life began to resemble something we could consider normal. Economically, how did Texas fare last quarter? Texas Real Estate Research Center research economist Dr. Jim Gaines joins us to share his insights. Thanks for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. How did the Texas economy as a whole fare in second quarter 2021? Well, quite frankly, as a whole, it did very well. Uh, We're seeing the second quarter, as we expected, be that first quarter of quote-unquote recovery uh, coming out of the COVID. It, it, it was clear that COVID was going to be a problem coming into 2021. And if you recall, and people are now already forgetting this, but we didn't have the vaccine even start right. until January, the latter part of January. So it took the first quarter of the year to get, to get vaccination started, to get the program started, to get people out. But it, during that time, during the first quarter, of course, things were still uh, not officially closed down. There wasn't a sequester in place order, but, but things were still very, very slow right. and still not getting out. Well, by, by the second quarter, though, now the vaccine program had started out and, and it was beginning to become apparent that the COVID was going to be controllable if, if we got enough people vaccinated the number of cases were going to come down, the number of deaths were going to come down. And if you look at the statistics, if you look at the graphs that show up in the newspapers and online mm-hmm. on a regular basis, you can see that happening. Everything hinged on the on the virus. Right. So none of this has anything to do with economics. <laughs> it has everything to do with getting the, the virus under some semblance of control so that the economy then can get back into some kind of recovery mode. So second quarter... Was a was a very good quarter, and of course, statistically, it was a great quarter right. because you compare if you compare it to second quarter of last year, because second quarter of last year was a wipeout. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So anything looked better than that. So we're looking at it uh, in that respect. Uh, second quarter did did really well. Uh, the key there is that that businesses were reopening, service businesses were reopening, restaurants, hotels, uh, barbershops. Uh, beauty shops, I mean, name it, any, anything that required, especially one-on-one personal service where right. people had to be in, in proximity to other people. Wasn't complete yet. Probably still isn't complete totally. Mm-hmm. So, so we're not recovered, but we are recovering. That brings me to my next question. What needs to happen before the economy is considered fully recovered from the pandemic? Well, to be fully recovered, We'll need for employment to come back to to pre-pandemic level and even start exceeding it 
to show some some growth that we would we'd lost all growth in 2020. Okay, and in fact, uh, we lost about three million jobs in the state. We lost a whole bunch of uh, of the economy, GDP, all of those kinds of measures uh, that one one deals with. Uh, to be considered recovered, which I think was your question, mm-hmm. uh, we need we still are short. I, I don't know the exact number right now, but we're probably still short statewide about a hundred thousand jobs. And and by the end of this year, in other words, the second half of 2021, we'll probably make those up, and hopefully even exceed them a little bit. Uh, I know I've been looking at some of the MSAs. We think that Dallas, we think Austin, uh, San Antonio probably even Houston. Houston's the slowest one of the four. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of them will probably be back up to about where they were in 2019, if not even just slightly ahead of 2019. So recovery means we've got to make up for all of those losses that we we ex- uh, incurred during 2020. From a GDP perspective, total business, that's dollars, uh, involved there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still back. We're still under under the 2019 pre-pandemic level. Uh, but the, the statistics are in our favor. The growth rate is there. Uh, first quarter, like I said, was outstanding because you're comparing it to right. really the comparison that you need to make now is uh, what's happening this year compared to 2019 because mm-hmm. 2020 was such a bust. Um but so we're we're starting to see that GDP and ICE again, uh, kind of like the employment, probably by the end of this year, maybe the first quarter of next year, GDP levels and general business level will be back up to what it was before it all collapsed in in basically February, March, April, May of last year. How did the state's housing market perform in the second quarter? <laughs> <laughs> well, the housing market has been the exception, as, as probably most everybody is well aware, right. to the general economic malaise that, that we went through. The housing market recovered very quickly. It did, did suffer complete a, a very uh, marked downturn in April, May, and really on into June of last year, mm-hmm. when everybody was... The, the COVID was first getting started. The pandemic was getting started. People were told to stay at home. Businesses were closing down. People were getting laid off. Uh, uh, unemployment claims, you know, skyrocketed to unprecedented levels, et cetera, et cetera. So for a couple of three months in there, in 2020, the housing market, like everything, had a precipitous drop. Mm-hmm. However, the, the housing market, starting in about July, really, of last year, started this upward trend that that continues more or less uh, today, although we are starting to see it leveling out. And and uh, people get nervous whenever I say this, that it's slowing down a little bit, the, the pace of sales and the pace of activity uh, slowing down a little bit because they, they, they equate that with it's uh, declining. Well, all it's doing is it's leveling out at a very high level. Right. So that's not altogether bad. And it's actually been remarkable that we've had the level of sales activity and transaction activity that we've had with such low inventory. Right. The number of properties being offered for sale, I can tell you, is down over 56% wow. from what it was in 2019. 
Yeah. And 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 down 42% from what it was last year. So it's 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 remarkable. I mean, when we're running at the state level at 1.4 months of inventory or 1.2 months mm-hmm. and in in two of our major metropolitan areas it's less than 1 month. Well, in Aggie speak, we ain't got none. <laughs> we just don't have any inventory. So how do you have sales setting record high levels of sales with no inventory. It's it's a weird kind of phenomenon. Well, of course, what's happening is properties are being bought and sold so quickly that they're not showing up in our statistics the way we we, we see them uh, to be able to count all that completely. But so the housing market, to answer your question, has been very, very good. Uh, in the second quarter, uh, median price uh, was up from second quarter of a year ago, almost 20%. Now, that's misleading because remember, second quarter a year ago wasn't so hot. Right. <laughs> and so all of the statistics on a year-over-year basis or quarter-to-quarter basis for uh, April, May, and June are, are very, very misleading. But what we're seeing, though, is that, again, though, it's still very good. Median price is still up over 22%, almost 23% from 2019. So again, my comparison back to the before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing that that second quarter was very good. We're anticipating uh, uh, really good information. Let me point out also, one of the things that we've been watching here on the housing market, because <clears throat> it makes a lot of news in the in the media, uh, median price and average prices and price levels in general. And one of the problems has been that the median and average prices are up tremendously. I just mentioned 23% for the median and and a little more than that for the average price that that we've been reporting on our website here on a monthly basis Mm -hmm. uh, for anyone who wants to see it at recenter.tamu.edu. The the median price is being influenced, the average price, by the distribution of sales that we've seen. One of the effects of the pandemic has been that a shift into higher priced properties uh, dominating the market more statistically than what they had in the past, historically. Uh, In 2019, for example, house sales over 500,000 statewide was right at about 10% of the sales. Well, and that was in the second quarter of 2019. It was right about 10%. Well, in the second quarter of 2021, it was close to 20%. Wow. It's almost yeah. always about 18 point something percent. Mm-hmm. So, but but that distribution, also the distribution of sales under 200,000 was almost a third back in 2019. It was 32.6%. So call it a third. Mm-hmm. Well, but today it's less than 20%. Mm-hmm. So that distribution of sales, more higher price properties being bought and sold, fewer lower price properties means the median and averages are going to move more. Now, you also know, Haley, I know you know, <laughs> that, that we, we produce here at the center a repeat sales index yes. where we look at the same property selling repeat sale and then compute the implied uh, annual rate of appreciation or change in the price over time. Even if it was two or three years later, you can still compute what it works out to be on an annualized basis. And that number is still high. That's number still in the 8 to 9% range which is still a very high number, but nowhere near like 19, 20, 22%. Mm-hmm. 
right. uh, increase. So the the increase in pricing and values is very real. The short supply with a high demand, again, another pandemic effect mm-hmm. has been to induce people to uh, buy properties today that might have waited a year or two. Uh, also, the being shut up in an apartment <laughs> maybe for six months and say, okay, I'm ready to go go buy a house. And mm-hmm. also, we found that during, the, during that period of time, back in 2020 particularly, people were saving their money because you weren't out going to restaurants, you weren't going traveling, you weren't doing anything. Yeah. So what do you do with your money? Even if you were getting the unemployment and the uh, benefit of the extra unemployment uh, uh, payments, a lot of a much higher savings rate. So people now had, if you were going to wait two years to save the money, you 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 shorten that period of time to six months, eight months, nine months. So now you're in the market looking to buy buy a house. So we're seeing those kinds of things come up. What should we expect going into the third quarter? Continuation. It's going to still be a very good, strong market on the demand side. There are still a lot of buyers. There's still people moving to Texas. There's still people trying to move up or move over or move out, move out of an apartment and move into a house. Uh, that is still strong. The only thing that's going to be uh, the, the, the headwind uh, or, or holding it back is the lack of inventory. So it'll, it'll still be uh, a problem there. So if we're looking at rates of increase and so forth, that'll, that is already, we're starting to see it even on a month-to-month as we look at changes on the month-to-month basis, we'll start seeing it. We will also probably see, and this is a, I think, I don't know how strong I believe in this one, but I'll, <laughs> I'll say it anyway. We'll probably see a little uh, of the uh, seasonality return this year that we didn't see at all last year. That was another thing that happened last year that was different. Normally, the market is so strong in June, July, August, and then falls off in September, October, November, December, and carries over into January. So generally, second quarter, third quarter are the big quarters. First and fourth quarters are the down quarters. 2020, we didn't see that. The market was up. Uh, even during the third quarter and even moving into the fourth quarter of last year. This year, we're in, we're coming into the uh, third quarter. We're coming into what traditionally has always been the selling season. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has been the time of year when if you were going to sell your house, you sold. If you were going to buy a house, you tried to buy because you're trying to get in before school starts. You're trying to get moved if your job is that way. We're seeing people obviously now going back to work. Then some of these some people have been off work for some time. Right. Now going back into going back to work, and if they are moving, now is the time to do it. You know, so but I still suspect that we'll see when school starts. Call it September first, just for argument's sake. I know it's a little sooner than that, but we'll probably see a little of that normal seasonality and see that market start falling off a little bit. Some of that demand. The thing that's still holding it up, though, of course, is low interest rates. In fact, they've actually come down a little bit here mm-hmm. lately. Uh, we still have the millennials yes. who are who. Uh, one thing you guys have learned is that uh, no matter what you do, you can't do a thing about it. You're getting older. Yes. <laughs> and you're going to get old. 
But the millennials now, particularly the group that's in the uh, mid to high 30s, uh, from 33 to 40 years old, for example, that group continuously gets bigger and bigger. And that's a that's a the leading group. So first time buyers entering the market, trying to get into the market is actually a very high percentage. It's above normal. It's close to a little over 40 percent where normal has always been about a third uh, of the share of market. Mm -hmm. The biggest problem, of course, for a first-time buyer is finding a house they can afford right. in a location where they want to be, and and uh, but they're not having trouble finding the down payment or the making the payments if they can just find the property. Um, so we'll we'll see how that goes and 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 bears out. So we're looking for a, a good third quarter, uh, and probably. It'll be debatable whether the coming third quarter will be it statistically it'll be better than third quarter last year but but it'll be closer to not not the exuberant changes that we're seeing. Now I'm saying that but I'm looking at the June numbers mm-hmm. uh, uh, first six months of the year on a year to date basis sales are up 17% over the wow. first six months <laughs> but that's 17% over six months of last year and right. don't forget the the Second third of those, the second three months of that six month period was such a downtime. So, again, the statistics will be misleading. Third quarter is going to be good. Fourth quarter is going to be good. We're looking for the housing market to maintain pretty good strength on into 2022. Somewhere in 2022, we're expecting interest rates because of inflation, because of monetary policy, because of general economic improvement, et cetera. We're expecting interest rates will start creeping up. Uh, I've seen several reports lately where they're even expecting that to happen the second half of this year. Mm-hmm. I think that's a little premature. That's just my personal opinion. You can get you can talk to 10 economists, you'll get 10 different opinions mm-hmm. on this because predicting interest rates right now is just, it's just a shot in the dark. Yeah. Uh, we're not real sure about anything. We thought interest rates would be up by now, and they're not. Uh, the Fed has already indicated they're not going to change rates probably the rest of this calendar year. So we're, we're a little nervous, but if interest rates and, and the mortgage interest rate is still so attractive, it could go up a little bit and still be attractive right. in historical terms. So I don't think that'll be a major headwind on the, on the uh, housing market. The pricing, if prices get out of control and the inventory and the fact that builders just are not being able to build enough homes and the cost of new homes now has just skyrocketed because the cost of materials and labor have gone up so much that they're having to mark up. Uh, and think of it as a markup, just like any other manufacturer who builds a, makes a product right. and has to mark up the price. Well, builders are having to mark up their prices just to cover incre- cost increases, not for profitability, but just to cover uh, the fact that lumber is about three or four times more expensive and cost them three or four times more than what they were paying uh, just a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much <laughs> for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks again, Jim. For more housing data, read our latest Texas Housing Insight report. We posted a link to the latest article on our podcast webpage and in the YouTube description box. Don't forget to subscribe to email notifications so you always know when the latest report is published. You can also check out the Center's Texas Home Price Index. Our repeat sales index measures price appreciation changes for residential single-family homes. Click the link on our podcast webpage to learn more.
If you're looking for more second quarter data, subscribe to our two quarterly reports. The Texas Quarterly Apartment and Texas Quarterly Commercial Reports each summarize key economic indicators that help discern multifamily and commercial real estate trends in the state's four major metros. Sign up for email updates to get notified when second quarter data are released. While you're on our website, browse through our research library. It includes a wide variety of economic reports and real estate articles. Our latest topics include how to get a real estate license, homeowners insurance, Corpus Christi housing affordability, private rights to property, rental tax issues, a monthly employment report, and more. We posted a link to our research library on our podcast webpage. That's going to be it for today's podcast. If you're looking for more from the Texas Real Estate Research Center, head to our website. That's www.recenter.tamu.edu. There, you'll find the latest data, research articles, blogs, news, and more. You can also check out the Center's News Talk Texas database, which is updated daily with the biggest headlines in Texas real estate. You can also subscribe to Recon, our bi-weekly newsletter, to get all the biggest stories sent straight to your inbox. To stay up to date on when articles are published on our website, follow the Texas Real Estate Research Center on social media. You can find us with the handle at RECenterTX on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. For more podcasts like these, you can subscribe on iTunes or to our YouTube channel. All podcasts are also available for free on our website. Thanks for joining us today in the Real Estate Red Zone, brought to you by the Texas Real Estate Research Center in College Station, Texas, where we've been helping Texans make the best real estate decisions since 1971. This is Haley Reeder, and I'll see you next time. Bye.